easy for the awesome intro. I'm Nikhil Gola. And I'm Josh Byrne. Welcome to Tech Tactoe, a show dedicated to learning more about how businesses are adapting to the digitally transforming world and how MBAs can drive value in tech and beyond. So Josh, what are we talking about today? IoT. Awesome. Finally, we get to talk about something cool. I love GOT. Game of Thrones is my jam. No, no, no. IoT, the Internet of Things. Ah. According to Wikipedia, the most cited source for MBAs, IoT is the network of devices that contain electronics, software, and connectivity, which allows these things to link, interact, and exchange data. IoT is completely changing the game for B2B and B2C. It can unlock cost savings and efficiencies and provide businesses with troves of data to better serve their customers. Not to mention my favorite Disney Channel original movie, Smart House, is finally coming to life. A classic. That's right. Alexa, Nest thermostats, industrial sensors, all these and more. I'm having trouble understanding right now. No, Alexa. We're trying to do our intro here. Ugh. The Internet of Things has evolved into its own industry, and it's just getting started. We'll be talking to top IoT professionals to better understand this emerging technology and the connected world around us. Sounds good. Let's get started. Hit, Hit it, it easy. So I'd like to welcome our guest, Michael Mott. Michael is a 95 Fuqua grad. Uh, he built his career focusing on strategic partnerships, scalable platforms, and customer-focused products. Michael started his career at Microsoft, where he, he spent 12 years and worked in many roles, including finance and business development, as well as managing efforts with Xbox applications and Microsoft Studios. He then moved on to Sonos, a consumer electronics company, working on global product partnerships and business development. Michael is now at Amazon and focuses on bringing together Amazon's voice assistant, Alexa, with strategic partners to provide the best customer experience. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Thanks very much for including me. Yeah, Michael. So let's start by thinking about IoT broadly. would love to hear how you define it. What do you think a future, will I, future of IoT will be how will, and how will voice play a role with that? Yeah, great question. You know, I tend to apply a consumer lens to IoT because there's, I'm sure you've seen some of these uh, graphic images of all the things that are going to be, you know, all the devices that are going to be connected to the internet. And, and I think the reality is, you know, everything, you're, you're going to have self-driving cars, you've got buildings that are connected uh, to understand everything from you know, maximizing energy to, uh, you know, user movement, et cetera. So, you know, when I think of IoT, I, I tend to center it on the home, which I know is not all of what, you know, is out there, but certainly it's the thing that I think we feel the most uh, kind of day in, day out. And so for me, um, what I think about is, uh, a mesh of devices and the connectivity across those devices that ultimately get uh, brought together through control points, uh, whether it's apps as it was in the past or it used to be actually, it used to be dedicated devices back in even the early days of Sonos, you'd have a, a digital controller for your your Sonos device, you have a digital controller for, you know, most of your connected devices at the time, but what's happening is it's evolving to apps, and then from apps, I think it's really evolving 
to something truly consumer compelling, which is which is voice. So a series of devices connected together, ideally working seamlessly in relevant ways. So, you know, devices that you care about moving together to start your day or end your day by turning off lights and locking doors, and then ultimately controlled through the most, I'll call it, intuitive and comfortable mechanism we have for control and communication, which is which is voice. So the, the nice thing is all of these things are kind of converging. You've got devices that can be connected uh, wirelessly because the price of, of the components to make that happen, you know, now makes it easy for you to make a light bulb, uh, you know, a, a Wi-Fi enabled device. You've got mesh networks that are improving in their quality and robustness so that you have combination of, of coverage and um, uh, confidence in the quality. And then you've got this emerging, you know, control capability, which is, uh, which is voice, all kind of woven together with a connection to the cloud that allows these things to get smarter, uh, improve over time, refresh, uh, you know, uh, take history into account where it makes sense, that type of thing. So uh, anyway, IoT's big topic. I think of it primarily in the home and uh, in those devices that really kind of make your day, day uh, you know, easier uh, than than it might have been if you had to open up an app or, uh, God forbid, go and walk and turn on a light switch. Oh no, we don't we don't walk or press buttons anymore. <laughs> That's All right. Awesome. So let's let's double click into voice assistance. Uh, you're working a lot with Alexa right now. Can you break down the big players that have voice assistance? How are they similar and how are they different? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. It's, um, it used to be that there were a whole bunch of voice assistants and most of them you'd interact with kind of over the phone. But, but now what's happening as these, as these devices, which I mentioned, are getting smarter, more processing power, the ability to add microphones to them, you know, at cost and, and with quality uh, capture, you know, you, there's a few that are clearly emerging as the, I'll call primary interaction points with customers. So uh, we've got Alexa from an app, from Amazon. There's OK Google, which has been around for a long time on, on phones and, and now kind of emerging uh, in devices on the home. Um, Apple and Siri, uh, outsourced, but still very much part of their customer experience. You've got Microsoft with Cortana. Um, and then it kind of falls, not, not that there's a quality cliff, but there's certainly a number of other voice assistants that are specific to China, specific to Japan, specific to a, a mobile carrier, for example, as, as they have with, um, with Aura in Telefonica or Magenta in, in Deutsche Telekom. So, um, but the big meaningful players, I think, bring together, I'll call it, millions of endpoints, uh, robust uh, experiences in terms of data, access, personality, quality of response, uh, robustness of, of developer, um, uh, developer support, uh, and they really are Amazon, Google, uh, and, and probably Apple, just based on, the, on those criteria. Um, I think they're, you know, so that's those are the players, you know, in a in a minute and a half, and the and the and the centering of the, I'd say, 
three big ones for now, right? And that's the key piece. You know, if you look back to the internet, when all the different search engines were out and about, you know, there were also Vista and InfoSeek and all these early players. And I think that's where we are right now. We're in the early stages of that. And so you've got the current leaders. And uh, to answer your question about how they break down, you know, I do, I'm a little biased, obviously, but mm -hmm. I do think Alexa really is the consumer-centric assistant. The way that our leadership, you know, Tom Taylor, who heads up that group in particular, he really talks about Alexa as, imagine you had the world's best assistant always available to help you as if they were just like walking next to you throughout your day. And in some cases, they're answering questions, and in the future they're anticipating questions or informing you of opportunities or letting you know about upcoming activities and so forth. So with Alexa, we think of it very much as, hey, what, who, what would it be like to have the world's best assistant kind of right next to you at all times, you know, helping you address other questions or opportunities? Um, and, and, the, and the model around that is, hey, if, if, if she's good at doing that, then you're going to have a great relationship with Alexa and you're going to have a great relationship with Amazon and we'll figure out how we create value for that customer or how that customer creates value for Amazon. Uh, with Google, I think they have some of the same uh, attributes. I, I don't think the personality is as strong. I think it's a much more technical approach uh, based on you know where they were born from and where their strength is in terms of their algorithms and so forth. So. A lot of people will, will showcase that Google's smarter than, than Alexa, um, but I think that's only part of it. You know, I can have a smarter assistant, but if that assistant isn't relevant for me or isn't someone I want to engage with, then I'm not sure I'm going to use them all the time. And so I think Google can be smarter and it has a, you know, has an opportunity to grab from its search and all its endpoints, but it's also, uh, I think, challenged in some ways because it, it, it's got to put a human face to that assistant or a human experience to that assistant. That's not been a strong point. Uh, and it's something they're trying to improve upon. Uh, and then the other piece is, you know, at the end of the day, Google wants to, wants to advertise to you. So they want to know you better. Um, you can say, well, Amazon wants to sell something to you, but that's not, you know, that's not entirely uh, the case in terms of our Alexa business, much the way our AWS business doesn't really drive you to buy stuff. You know, that for us is a completely different business. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Google, Google's got that. And then Apple, I think, is, you know, it's a tweener. I mean, they know it's a fundamental part of their experience. They want that interface the same way they really led uh, the touch interface with, with phones. But it's not, you know, they don't have the AI behind it. Um, they don't necessarily have the, uh, you know, the developer support. Um, they're not, you know, they outsource a lot of that right now. And so for Apple, even though they've got all these touch points and these customer engagement opportunities, it's they're still fundamentally a, a device, you know, a hardware company with software and services. And, and this software and service is still not a core part of what they're, what they're building. So um, I think it's, uh, for them, it's, it's an interesting question about which way do they slide? Uh, do they slide into that business? Uh, and into that service, or do they they partner? Do they do both? It'll be an interesting interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. Yeah, we love uh, we love a hot take at uh, Tech Tech Tau. So <laughs> much much appreciated with the insight. So 
to to continue on with this point of some of these players in the future, what do you really see as the future for voice and this house-driven IoT? Will customers need to pick one of these platforms that you referenced? How will people really use it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, when, when I worked at Sonos, we wrestled with this question, right? And in fact, because we weren't Amazon and we weren't Google and, and we were kind of trying to figure out what was best for the customer experience, in that case, for music. So, you know, I landed and ultimately landed at Amazon because I, I aligned more with, with their philosophy, which is, hey, there's going to be multiple voice assistants out there, um, much the way there were multiple search engines and there's multiple operating systems. And that's kind of where we are. Like in the beginning, there's going to be a lot. And there'll be some that are really good at, let's say, the personality, some that are really good at getting the right answer, maybe some that are just really good at capturing what you're asking for because they've got the hardware tuned better than than the other um, devices or, or service providers. But, you know, my my feeling is that there will be multiple assistants. Uh, customers will, over time, have a preference, but they also won't want to be limited uh, because they may like the quality of the answers from, from Google or they may like the personality uh, and the intuitive nature of what Alexa provides. Um, and so... You're going to find, I think, people in the beginning leaning towards one or the other the same way, you know, if you said, are you a, a PC or a Mac person, you know, that's going to happen. But much the way we've seen people just kind of say, well, listen, I just want the applications I want to work and the experiences I want to be available, like Netflix, available on everything. You know, I think you're going to find that same thing happen with assistance. And and so that's that's kind of where I think it's going. It's you'll see some preferential treatment because there's a simplification that will be easy to embrace. But then over time, you're just going to find people saying, "I'd rather have choice than be than have to make a call." Uh, and certainly, we at Amazon believe in choice, which is why we're working with folks like Cortana and and we just made an announcement with with Orange in France on there to work with their assistant. We'll continue to do that. Yeah, so to a lot of our listeners who are primarily MBA students, whether or not they're entering the tech field, how should they prepare for a more connected, IoT-driven future? How can they really be the strongest business leaders possible in that environment? Yeah, it's a good, I think it's a great question because it would have been different. Like when I was coming out of school, You know, I literally landed on Microsoft's campus and they were launching Windows 95. And, you know, that was all about you know, operating system dominance and, and that wasn't where they started, but it's certainly where they wound up, you know, but that's, I don't think we're in that world. Like we're in a world of blockchain. We're in a world of interoperability. We're in a world of, of, uh, you know, cloud connectivity where services are embedded in services and so forth. So I think if you're an MBA student coming out now, you really have to think, you know, how, how do I, how do I maximize my value proposition by doing the things that I do well and then, you know, seamlessly but effectively, uh, you know, and with consumer benefit at the core, connect with other services, other uh, key stakeholders in the, you know, in the ecosystem. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot more about dependencies. Uh, sorry, not dependencies. It's a lot more about building core 
capabilities and then figuring out how do you how do you leverage a call a connected set of services that you don't necessarily need to build but you can deliver um, together in order to create a value for for the customer I think this idea of going deep vertically um, is uh, is not what it's about it's really about how can you find a, a core value proposition or capability and then figure you know figure out what those vertical contributors are going to be that allow you to execute more effectively faster um, etc so that's uh, that's a very different approach I think than than you might have had if you were trying to build you know a dominant X or Y type of product uh, you know from a few even a few years ago now what, what's yeah. your what's your favorite Alexa functionality that users might not know about yeah so I've got one it's personal if you're an MBA student you probably don't need it unless you've got a lazy roommate or a teammate who's never you know getting to class on time so I asked Alexa you know I said Alexa uh, wake up my daughter and then Alexa actually suggested to me she said well we have a wake up your teenager skill would you like to use it and so of course I answered yes and so now each morning I can uh, leave a message for my daughter so that she has you know her good thoughts for the day or her reminder to be a you know good driver or fill the car with gas or you know give her dad a hug and so that's uh, that's probably one of my favorite skills um, if I had a skill that could keep her from unplugging Alexa, that would probably be my second yeah. skill. <laughs> there you go. I could definitely use that too. I could try to get my roommates to take out the trash <laughs> a little bit more. There you go. That's exactly it. Nice, 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 nice. Well, Michael, thank you so much for the time. I know I'll be hopefully seeing you out in Seattle uh, as I move out west uh, this summer. But, yeah, uh, it's, awesome. It's been great and uh, hearing about your experience with uh, with Alexa and, and the future of IoT, uh, very bright and exciting. Thank you. Yeah, should be. Thanks very much, guys. Look forward to having you in Seattle. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Appreciate Michael. Appreciate right. Kirsten Billhard is the marketing director for IoT at Dell Technologies in Round Rock, Texas. Her career at Dell has spanned over 14 years, leading global marketing campaigns for Dell's IoT portfolio and evangelizing technology solutions for the manufacturing sector. Before Dell, Kirsten led strategic initiatives in portfolio planning at General Motors. Kirsten holds engineering degrees from Kettering and Purdue, as well as an MBA from Harvard Business School. Kirsten, thanks so much for joining us today. It is fantastic to be online with you. Thank you for having me. All right. Welcome to Tech Tech Toe. So let's start this off. Um, at a high level, how would you define IoT? And is there anything nuanced about it in a B2B context? Oh, totally. So IoT at a, at a really simple level, and you can go into long, drawn-out technical explanations, but in a lot of ways, you're connecting something that has not been connected to the Internet before. And most importantly, you're using that data to drive some sort of value, whether it's efficiency or innovation or safety or even a new business model. So it's this concept of, of new data from the physical world and being used um, fairly quickly to, to provide some, some kind of value. Now, from a B2B context, um, that value part of the equation becomes really important. Um, a lot on the consumer side is kind of the, the gee whiz, isn't this cool? <laughs> I can 
you know, adjust my thermostat from my phone. And there's a little bit of convenience there, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's a little bit of, of a novelty as well. Whereas in a business context, uh, the novelty factor fades away really quickly. People don't invest in business cases for novelty. They want to see genuine ROI, genuine business value. Um, usually that shows up on a balance sheet. So you're looking for efficiencies that pencil, genuine savings on um, something that usually translates to dollars or something that's going to positively impact their customer experience, you know, to help make that customer give them reasons to stay uh, with them for longer and, and in a more profitable way, uh, to support their workforce through a more safe environment, or to make adjustments to, uh, to a business model, to you know, do things like replace cap CapEx with CapEx and, and make their financials uh, stronger in, in a way that's meaningful for them. Great. And, and when you speak about some of these different examples, can you really focus on your role and what you work on day to day, Adele, and how it translates to that B2B context? Oh, absolutely. So uh, my role is the uh, marketing director for Internet of Things for all of Dell Technologies. Uh, so uh, a big part of my job is driving awareness for the company um, externally for what we do and why we do it and, and, and how we can help customers. And then also driving demand specifically for our sales team. So, you know, marketing opens the door and, and, and sales comes along and, and, and closes it. It closes the deal, closes the opportunity. So it's uh, driving awareness and driving demand at a very high level, simple, and that's, that's marketing for B2B, you know, throughout the world. Yeah. Okay, so we also know that Dell has a pretty cool program called the Dell IoT Solutions Partner Program. Uh, how did it emerge and what types of partners are involved? Oh, it has been around for a few years and it, it came about with the realization that Internet of Things solutions, particularly in the B2B space, the enterprise space, they tend to be very tall stacks of technology and they don't come from one single entity. You really can't go to any technology provider, and this certainly includes Dell Technology, and say, you know, I want a complete end-to-end -end IoT solution and expect um, anyone to deliver on that. And that is because Internet of Things is uh, it's part IT and it's part OT, which is operational technologies. It's these two streams coming together. So in that context, partnerships are incredibly important to be able to deliver a more complete solution. Um, you know, for example, we have a relationship with Tritium uh, that is part of Honeywell, and they have um, expertise in building automation, in manufacturing, and uh, we're able to take, you know, their technology, combine it with our technology, and it gives a much more complete solution for the end customer, and that's what the partnership program is to designed to enable, um, to be able to showcase to our customers a range of different technologies that enable them to, to develop a more complete solution. And that can be ISVs, so software providers. It could be um, uh, sensor providers on the hardware side, uh, different uh, software applications uh, or, or tricks. It could be uh, system integrators, so the, the folks who can you know, act as a general contractor to design, build, and even deploy an IoT solution. So we see partnerships as, as quite fundamental. 
um, to the design, development, and execution of a full, complete Internet of Things type solution. Yeah, absolutely. I like this, like IT and OT join IT and OT join forces, and they became IoT. <laughs> they're they're right. superheroes. So you know, Dell's IoT focus. <laughs> A lot of Dell's IoT focus is currently on a lot of industrial and building automation as well as fleet management. I uh, would love to hear really like that Honeywell example, maybe another success story within one of these verticals. Yeah, we do. We do like building automation uh, quite a bit. Um, I would highlight on the industrial side, uh, a customer who's been with us for a long time is Emerson. Um, and and they're, they're a large, well-respected name, and, and we've been proud to call them a customer for a, a very, very long time. And, um, you know, this manufacturing space, customers have been very careful to move into the world of IoT. You know, these are folks who, who do not take uh, unnecessary risks, who do not want to upset their operations. And, and Emerson has done a really nice job of moving forward and um, connecting the valves that they that they build for their customers. And these valves, if they don't work correctly, um, it, 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 it could shut down a plant. It's, it's fundamental to the efficiency uh, and the safety of uh, a process manufacturing environment. And so they've brought forward some connected valve solutions, um, and then our uh, infrastructure in terms of a gateway are, are part of that solution too. And so, again, this is an example of they're the OT, we're the IT, kind of the better together. IT plus OT equals IOT. Um, it also showcases um, the relationships that develop between two very large companies to create something that's in some ways bigger than um, either one could do on their own. Got it. So you, you talked a little bit about how Dell um, messages the importance of IoT through the savings and the balance sheet impact. Is there anything else that Dell does to to message the value proposition, knowing that you also spoke a bit about you know the hype surrounding IoT these days? Right, right, right. And you know we we work to be pragmatic. Um, it's easy in the world of IoT to, to kind of spin yourself off into the world of fairy tales and what if you connected this and what if your refrigerator could talk to the washing machine, could talk to the dishwasher, you know, what kind of conversation would they have? And that's, you know, while fun to think about in a science fiction type of view, it's not practical. And so we focus on the pragmatic, we focus on um, uh, driving value that is meaningful meaningful for our customers, whether that's efficiency or innovation or safety or, or, or new business models. Um, and then, you know, our value prop to that is, is around helping our customers make that real. A lot of that is uh, we have a strong point of view in how solutions are being architected. Um, when you talk about, you know, massive amounts of data being generated at the edge and that data having to be analyzed very quickly and action happening, you know, where and how that data is analyzed um, uh, can have incredible um, outcomes in terms of how costly the solution is, uh, the amount of latency in the solution. So we do um, get involved very much in the architecture layer of how to build IoT solutions so that you're, you're putting your analytics 
where it matters, while it matters, so that you're getting the right insights at the right time, going to the right people, using the right blend of technology. So it's this concept of doing, you know, your, your quick and simple analytics at the edge, and then as you go, you know, deeper through, you know, some sort of a core and then certainly to a cloud, those analytics get uh, deeper um, and, and more sophisticated, uh, yet they get a little bit slower um, because the, the, uh, the compute and the latency um, um, take a little bit longer. So understanding what decisions need to be, you know, quick and simple and fast, 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 and which can take a little tiny bit longer um, and take advantage of a, a more cloud-oriented environment to do that um, really intense computing um, to drive those deep insights around predictive analytics and, and um, bringing together massive amounts of data. So we have, we have a huge point of view around that. Um, security is always important, um, and so being able to help our customers design in the security they need, either from some of the capabilities we have in-house or some that come from our, our partner community. Um, and then obviously leveraging the partnerships. So, you know, as, as we said before, um, you, you need more technology than, than any one company can enable for a truly sophisticated large-scale IoT solution. And so we open the doors to the relationships that we have, any recommendations we have to help the customer get the type of technology solution that is needed for the use case that they're looking to implement. You've got me sold. And I'm sure sure Nikhil's the same way. I'm on board. I'm on board. We're on board with IoT. So let's We're let's selling it by the pound. There you go. <laughs> How many can we Yeah, I want three IOTs. Um so let's look at your your edge kind of your background and what led you here. So I'd love to close out with thinking about, especially for a lot of our listeners how your MBA experience prepared you for your career in IoT and the technology space broadly. What should current MBAs focus on as we enter uh, careers in IoT or even IoT-connected industries? Well, technology in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, technology uh, is, should be um, on, on the consideration of, of a lot of different folks if you're going through an MBA program. Um, because technology is changing the world. Um, and, and we see through IoT, and it's called by many other names, uh, technology has been seeping out of the IT department. You know, it's not just in our homes anymore and our connected gadgets. It is transforming industry after industry and function after function. You know, I speak to you as a marketer, and technology has changed the way marketing has done. It's become much more scientific, much more data-driven, much more, um, you know, granular and discreet in terms of being able to take the data that we know about a customer and their journey and being able to better represent the right solution at the right point in time. And that's just that's just marketing, right? You know, think about how technology is is changing, you know, the world of medicine, um, how it's transforming real estate through connected buildings, how it's changing, you know, financial services, right? If you, and that's another another popular way. 
Um, so I do think, you know, technology in general is, uh, is, is an extraordinarily um, interesting area to look at when you're looking at any type of MBA-related um, career. Um, for me, I made, um, I made a pretty big jump, you know, and, and I think what an MBA does is it gives you the capacity to open new doors. Um, so before I got my MBA, I was uh, from Detroit. I worked in the auto industry for years and years and years. And um, with my MBA, I initially went back to General Motors, and I moved out of engineering and into internal consulting and into um, product planning, and that was an incredibly interesting. But then I wanted to make a change. I wanted to um, leave Detroit and leave auto, and that MBA was a door opener. Um, people would at least listen to me, at least give me a shot, at least really review their resume because of the name on my MBA. And so there's a door opener aspect that um, I hope all the listeners here recognize and at some point of their life take advantage of, that you have this name that kind of gives you that smart person choice, that big <laughs> thinker points, um, and, and, and you can go out there and have the courage and conviction to say, you know what, I think I can do this job in this new industry, in this new function that I've never done before, because I've shown that I have, you know, the chops and the uh, ability to work hard and take on new challenges, and a lot of those soft skills and analytical skills that, that let you be successful in a huge range of opportunities. Great. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten, for uh, sharing your story and all the insight on IoT and explaining what Dell is doing to move the ball forward. So, Kirsten, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. You are so welcome. Have a great day. Our next guest is Ishan Sagal. He is a 1991 Fuqua MBA alum. After Duke, he worked for 12 years at Nortel in sales and marketing roles. He then transitioned to IBM in 2003 and has been there since. Although he has led various teams and initiatives at IBM in his 15 plus years at the company, he currently serves as the program director for the Watson IoT for Connected Products and Predictive Maintenance Team. That's a mouthful. This group works to provide IoT SaaS solutions for companies in the auto, industrial, electronics, and insurance verticals. And we're lucky to have him here today. Ishan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy coming back and, and talking to the Duke community and uh, certainly talking about IoT. Yeah, it's, it's either this or uh, leading up to tomorrow's Duke UNC game basketball. So... We're taking a break from basketball to chat about some IoT. We could do that. Um, <laughs> if we have time, I can tell you how I am personally responsible for one of the championships. But <laughs> oh, yes. okay. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll try, we'll try to fit that in. Great. So, you know, Ishan, really to start at top of the house, we're having every person we interview for this episode give their definition of IoT. And given your deep industry experience, we would want to know, what do you think of when IoT is brought up? And is there anything specific about it uh, for your definition in a business-to-business -business context? You're right. IoT does mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It can be used to describe, say, automatically setting your thermostat based on weather conditions to digitally transforming industrial processes. 
regardless of where where you sit or our enterprise customers sit on on that spectrum, we all uh, would agree that IoT itself is not a means to an end. It's it's really a means for enterprises to address their industrial uh, use cases, their pain points, unlocking the value of their assets, whether it's equipment, buildings, facilities, vehicles, and using what we can learn from them to reinvent their operations, their um, processes, and, and create new revenue streams. Gotcha. Okay. So what are, in your mind, the major barriers to IoT adoption, and what is IBM doing to overcome these barriers? The, uh, what we're doing is helping businesses improve their operational efficiency of their assets uh, and reduce their costs uh, by using IoT data and AI. Um, and I'll give you a few examples of that. Um, say a reliability engineer at a manufacturing facility. He's tasked for minimizing downtime on the factory floor um, and optimizing maintenance, whether it's a maintenance policy or, or um, a maintenance um, personnel. With IoT data and analytics or AI, uh, he can get this information on his equipment performance in real time and manage the health of the critical assets. Uh, he can predict failures. He can plan for maintenance, adjust his maintenance policies so that production goes on with minimal interruptions. Or take a facilities manager for a, a retailer. He's tasked with uh, optimizing facility operations across multiple buildings with um, measurement data coming from uh, sensors around the buildings and analytics, she could learn more about how the building responds to factors like occupancy levels or weather and drive optimal performances uh, or optimal energy uh, policies uh, and use uh, management rules and occupancy rules to reduce costs and, and ultimately provide a better experience for the occupant or the customer. Um, I'll just put out a, a third example of a systems engineer in a uh, automobile manufacturing uh, use case. Uh, he's trying to uh, manage the life cycle of a, of a complex connected system like an autonomous vehicle, S similar to what we might be seeing in, in these new generation of vehicles. Mm -hmm. I can say that because I just... Uh, after 12 years of college bills, I uh, bought a new car for myself. There you and, go. Time uh, to celebrate. Uh, these, <laughs> these new, uh, these new uh, ADAS or, or autonomous vehicles have. And from a manufacturing perspective, uh, similarly, they have to still meet design timelines within their budget. And uh, AI applied to IoT data uh, flowing from the manufacturing line and the car itself in a post-production situation provides uh, opportunities for design optimization, cost reduction, and, and improving the customer experience. Great. So to, to close it out, relating to some of the uh, interests down the road in the IoT space some of our listeners have, how have you seen your, your MBA 
prepare you for your career in IoT? What should uh, current MBA students really focus on as they enter careers in IoT or just broadly technology industries? I think uh, an MBA has uh, a lot of great uh, perspectives to bring to these uh, customers and these, uh, these cases. Inevitably, IoT is a transformational process for these industrial customers. They, they're coming from uh, perhaps decades old systems and old processes and they're looking for ways to improve these, um, their, their operations. And IoT is a way to, uh, is, a, is an example of a technology, bringing together really several technologies to help solve these problems. Where an MBA and, and that MBA perspective can help is bridge that uh, current way of help the customer, help the enterprise bridge the current way they're doing business to how uh, and their current pain points and how technology and in this case IOT can uh, help reduce those um, pain points or, or um, reduce um, the cost or improve ROI. Ultimately in any transformation you need to understand uh, how they're doing business today, what are their pain points and how they want to measure those pain points and how the new solution um, measures up to those uh, KPIs or key performance indicators such that once implemented, you have defined success criteria and you can now move that transformation over to an adjacent use case. All right, so last question of the interview. When we kicked this off, you said that you single-handedly led to a Duke National Championship. We, we got to hear what this story. Well, I have, my background uh, starts with engineering from NC State. And when I was at NC State as a freshman, um, that was the, the year the cardiac pack went from um, almost a, uh, a 500 season to national championship. And uh, during that year, uh, I was there on campus. Uh, fast forward uh, four or five years from then, I was uh, on campus at Duke, at the Duke School, and um, in 1991, um, Duke uh, began its championship run. So in both cases, I was a student, I was uh, there uh, taking classes, and in both cases, they won the championship. So. Um, Ah. I, whoever said um, correlation is not causation. You got the magic very, touch. Very mistaken. We're going to need you to make true. the drive uh, from uh, yeah. Raleigh to Durham can you Can you enroll <laughs> in a PhD starting yeah. tomorrow? <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for the time, Ishan. <laughs> well, this year, this year there's uh, a lot of raw talent. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. referring to yourself, not... Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, this this yeah, tac-tac-toe recruiting like class is looking good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Your insight was great. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. There you have it. That's our show. Who would have thought IoT is just as cool as GOT? So, Nikhil, should we break the tough news to them? Yeah, sad news, listeners. This is me and Josh's last time hosting Tech Tac Toe. 
pretty unfortunate, but we're going to be handing it off to some great hosts, and we're really excited to see the show grow. It's been a joy starting this show and having so many great conversations with our guests in the tech field. Thank you to the millions of listeners who have tuned in, and special shout out to my cousin, Juthin, who said I cut off the best guest we ever had in episode two. Not to say that our other guests haven't been great. We love all of you. <laughs> and also shout out to my grandpa who used Tech-Tac-Toe to learn how Apple podcasts work. All right, there you have it. Tech-Tac-Toe signing off. And the Kanye West attorneys, we can be reached at david.benick at duke.edu. Peace.